Welcome back. It's another episode of the Awful Service Podcast. This is the podcast that says, whatever happens between you and the audio is between two consenting adults. You're just paying for our time. Yeah, it's uh, it's that kind of podcast. It's me, Matt Doima, with my co-host. Nathan Smezrud. Uh, on the zeros, ones, and even possibly twos, our audio producer and my favorite uh, communist. Jalen Russell. Jalen, I'm only calling you a communist because you're wearing that Shea Shavara hat. That's fair. How did you say that last name? You know, he we're just going to skip Shavara. past that. <laughs> Who's Shea Shavara? She um, sounds hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually a neighbor of mine who has a hat that's similar to the one that Jalen's wearing. And I'm glad uh, I can turn also you happens on. to be a communist. So, yeah. You guys... You'd think that by this time, by this many episodes, this wouldn't be happening. But we're making awful history yet again. See, I know it's you not butchering your name because you've done that at least once every episode. Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The awful history is that Nathan's so what is pointing the out. He's Nathan, that Nathan's pointing out that I butcher a name on every episode. <laughs> That's the awful history for today. No, um, today's guest... Uh, has been running one of the longest running showcases in the Twin Cities, you guys. Wow. If not, the, I believe it's one of the longest. Is it not? It's well, the Monday Night Comedy Show has us beat. Um, but I, as far as independent comedy, but and they do it every Monday. So it's one of the longest running. Yeah. And it's, you know, up until Saturday, it hasn't been running because of the pandemic. But, you know, we'll get back. We'll, we'll get back going. Yeah. That is the host. Of the greatest comedy show ever, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Nick Piantic. Welcome, Nick. Hey, I, I missed you guys. I missed I missed all your smiling, beautiful faces. Oh, I miss you too, man. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the long, long ago, and we'd all be in a room together, and uh, and, and sometimes we'd tell jokes in the microphones, and I almost what, forget what, what that's even like. Yeah, you know, what glorious times! What glorious times! And you could use a microphone after another comic had used the microphone without having to sanitize it. I still yep. wasn't a big fan of that, even then. Yep. <laughs> or, or, or during flu season when every comic would be sneezing and coughing into the same microphone and none of us cared because we were all drinking heavily and <laughs> and, and, and nobody cared because we were pursuing dreams and Except we were drunk. Andy Bernaldson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, those were the days. I remember once Andy, like everyone was sick. It was at a Monday night show. And Andy kept like dousing the microphone with essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to take care of this is some lavender. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone should burn some sage or something. And, and I'm going to bring my rocks. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's one thing I do kind of help hope that does keep over after uh, after in a post COVID comedy world that we do sanitize the mics after everyone because comics are dirty people. Just sanitize everything in general. The comics yeah. could sanitize themselves top yeah. to bottom better. Um, the uh, bathrooms, 
the <laughs> common areas, uh, pretty much a- anything you can see. Uh, Green room couches. Yeah. Oh my God. Let's not. That's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole different thing, man. That's a whole. You could have a whole entire episode about just green room couches and God, that's why they don't have black lights in those rooms. You know what I mean? Like, just, just, it just glow. The whole room would glow. Back to discussing fluids and comedy spaces. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, this is the awful service podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about, uh, working customer service jobs, the interactions that we have with our guests, and uh, the stories that happen for, there within. Uh, the first segment on the podcast is one that we lovingly refer to as the resume. Show us your resume. Why should we hire you? Have you ever had a job right to open fire you? Tell us all about yourself and your place of business. Talk about your former jobs, filthy, shady politics. Show us your resume. Now show us your resume by Mr. Rogers and the Make Believe Friends. Yes. So Nick, this is when you can have at. Um, start wherever you want. We'll just we'll we'll roll with it. Okay. Uh, man, I've had so many jobs. I am like Homer Simpson. I have had, <laughs> I mean, like, I, it, again, like I could go back. Uh, when I first moved out of the house, I worked at a car dealership um, called North Country Ford in Coon Rapids. Um, I just essentially drove cars. I drove police cars. Um, then I got into real estate and I was a real estate appraiser. I was a mortgage broker. I was a, a real estate salesman. I still sell real estate. Um, I worked at a strip club called Sinners, uh, where I started as, uh, as the door guy and worked my way up, uh, to being essentially a manager and a DJ. Um, and I've also worked as a debt collector. I've worked as a bartender in a couple different places. I still technically work for us bank stadium. Um, whenever they have fans again, you might be able to buy a beer from me or, um, so, uh, as far as customer service goes, man, I think I've been doing it ever since, uh, my mom told me that there was no place to live, uh, for me anymore. And I had to, I had to go make my own, uh, path <laughs> word. Yeah. Was that enough of a resume for you guys? I just that's gave a, you guys that's, a, that's an impressive one. The I mean, deep yeah. resume, real estate, strip clubs, debt collection, bartending, <laughs> um, uh, car dealerships. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've done quite a bit. You know, I mean, I wonder how many debt collecting uh, was results of people going to the strip club that you also worked at. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, very well, that very well might have been. Um, it, you know, uh, strippers come first. Um, if you're at the strip club and then if they're good strippers there, you're going to, the, the idea of the game is to get all of your money and, and put it into, uh, our pockets when you work at a strip club. Um, that is, that is the name of the game. We're, 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 we're going to have to get back to that, but you know, um, <laughs> that's, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta let that simmer. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta gotta that on the back did you just, oh, did, up until now, did you guys think the strippers really liked you guys? I thought they, they thought I was charming, Nick. Maybe Nathan, maybe Nathan, but yeah, but they kind of do. Us, all, all the rest of us, we're, we're paying for we're paying for their kindness. They were they buy me drinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a two drink minimum to give Nate a lap dance. Yeah, yeah. I've been sending women pictures of Nate's abs uh, on on the internet with, with 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 my face on it, and it just doesn't it just doesn't match. Oh. 
<laughs> they're just like one of these two things are photoshopped yeah 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 i'm not very good at photoshop but. <laughs> just, i just have this image of you you printed out the photo of nate's abs and then just put a polaroid of your face on top of it it's and then took a cell phone really photo quickly. yeah yeah that's <laughs> It's not getting a lot of swipes on Tinder, but you know, someday, someday. The hair color doesn't even match. What's you happening? The hair, the hair color doesn't match. No, nope, not at all. They have a thing called hair dye, Nate, and, oh, okay. and so maybe that's why it doesn't match. Maybe you know, but who knows? <laughs> That—that's your excuse on Tinder. So, no, I dye my chest hair. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, the the photo below is from when I was eleven. And so it's just an older, it's just an older photo. It was before I figured out I could buy my own pizza. Yeah, I grew into my head. <laughs> so, right, so, so where, where do you guys want to start on the my resume? Um, so you said you 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 did uh you were you worked for a car dealership for a while. Yeah, man. When I you know this uh. I got hired at a com- at, at a car dealership called North Country Ford, and and they told me um, the reason I got hired is because the the service manager knew he was about to get fired, so he hired two new people. One of them was me, and the other guy was a narcoleptic, and are <laughs> straight up one hundred percent narcoleptic. And because we were in the union, once we got hired. And if, and if you tell them that you have a disability and they hire you with your disability, they can't fire you because of your disability because it's a, and it was a union job, but I think that's a law anyway. Um, but so they, he hired a for real narcoleptic who crashed two cars falling asleep while <laughs> driving them and me. So I don't know what I did to make this guy go, it's the narcoleptic and that loser. That's how I, that's how I sabotage the next guy. But he really, I got. <laughs> I got hired at 18 to drive cars, and um, and I drove uh, police cars at the time. The service company, um, or the, the the dealership, did all of Anoka County except for the sheriff's department. So, what my job was was to drive cars, um, and people would tell me what was wrong with them, and then when the mechanics were done, I would drive and make sure that whatever the customer complained um, was taken care of. So. Um, it was a pretty sweet job to have when you were 18. I, I worked there for two years and I drove customers cars and, uh, was, uh, an 18 year old out, out on his own. So, um, I definitely couldn't have passed a drug test probably. Um, <laughs> and, and I was did driving all these cool weird in those. I'm sorry. Did you find uh, anything? Oh, yeah, I found drugs. I found drugs all the time. I called them free drug Wednesdays. Whenever the rental, when, when the rental cars came back, we actually had a lady. We had a lady come with a loaner, and she's like, "I found some cocaine," and she handed it to me, and it was weed. And she obviously didn't know what drugs were. And I was like, I'll, "I was like, I'll dispose of this, ma'am. I'll make sure this went home." And my roommate thanked her later, you know. So, but no, I mean, you found, I mean, you found some weird stuff uh, from time to time, but it wasn't, it wasn't super bad. It was just working with, with customers that, you know, they're getting their car fixed, so they're going to pay a lot of money. They deserve to be pissed, but driving the cop cars was cool. <laughs> did, did you find anything interesting in the cop cars? Well, yeah. I mean, man, there was always <laughs> free you know, their, guns, their guns and their hats and stuff. And I got to drive them. And um, for those of you don't, who don't, you don't know if you ever, um, want to steal a cop car um, there's actually a little button in the on the floorboard that you have to push your left foot on uh, otherwise it won't come out of gear and that's why they leave their keys in them most of the time 
is uh, because there's a little hidden, like it's like a little pedal on the floorboard that you have to push or it's not going to come out of park. So, I mean, I'm not telling you what to do, but these are things <laughs> I learned. These are things I learned at 18 um, that I probably shouldn't have. I should write a book of things I learned that I shouldn't have. Um, and, and it would be, it would be a, it would, that would be, that would be on the forward. <clears throat> See, if I was 18 and had access to a cop car, I would just pull my friends over all the time. Well, and so I would drive them at work and then the cops that dropped them off knew me because they, I'd go in the car with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I drove on highway 10. If you know, Coon Rapids, I would like go from Hanson to like central and I could, um, I could just haul ass because the cops knew. And so sometimes like I'd be working with one of them and, um, and they would literally go, well, I'm going 90 miles an hour. And then this happened. So I mean, I'm an 18-year-old kid, so I I, uh, I had to go 90 miles an hour in a cop car and see if that's what would happen. I had to <laughs> test it out myself for my right. own peace of mind. And uh, and the nice part about it is if they saw me, they knew service. it was me. Yeah, it's called customer service. And um, but no, it was it was just a cool it was a cool job to have when you were 18. And I mean, you know, there were it, it was like it got to the point where if I'd been drinking too hard the night before I could call in and they'd just be like, yeah, just don't come to work if you're still drunk from the night before. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a sweet union job. And whenever you're a union, they understand when you're too drunk from the night before. <laughs> Learning lots of would things. You guys right away. I would what? definitely agree with you. I've never worked yeah. union. No, I was union with the postal, you don't love America. The postal service. Yeah. So they, they yeah, I mean, I'm sure the postal service. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sure the postal service. They just want to make sure you guys don't come back with machine guns. They're just trying to keep you guys happy, right? Oh yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like here, just yeah. have all the sick days, man. It doesn't fucking matter. Like if you don't want to come in, don't. Come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't want you here if uh, if you're feeling. Take a mental health day or two. It's a rough job. (laughs) It's a rough job. You want some more shorts? We'll get you more shorts. Yeah. Do you guys want shorts? I mean, that's that's cool. That's we love you. (laughs) There hasn't been a post post office. That's kind of for older people, right? There hasn't been a post postal office shooting since like the the late nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not that I can remember forever. It was funny when I was working for the post office, like I worked, I started when I was still living out in North Dakota and uh, I would do rural routes out in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. delivering mail. And I talked to like the old timers when I first got hired, they're talking about the days like, yeah, it sucks. That guy shot up everybody because <laughs> we used to be able to bring our shotguns out on our route and limit out on pheasants every day <laughs> so they'd go hunting on their fucking postal routes come yeah. back with like a bunch of birds they shot <laughs> oh the the a simpler time when yeah. no men were trusted with guns oh here's the other crazy thing about the post office is uh post office can't do this anymore they used to handle large deposits to banks so instead of armored cars bringing giant sacks of cash to the to banks uh it was just the post office and like they'd just be walking around with just the mail guy in their shitty little mail truck they'd have like three bags with like 
$20,000 worth of cash in it just to bring to the bank. Cause that was just one of their stops that day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder what, I wonder what went wrong with that. Yeah. Whole no shit. yeah I don't hear that <laughs> yeah. story, but I'm sure I mean, there's a reason why they don't do it anymore. I don't know how many times I thought about how quickly I would have robbed that mailman while you were telling that story, but it was at least six times. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, I would have been robbing mailman. That's what I would have been doing. I would have, I would have gotten them. Yeah, I would have gave them a cut. You know, I'm like, I'm like, hey, Nate, I'm gonna rob Pull you. Up the top. You know, yeah, yeah. I have to give you one in the in the jaw. You know, but it's it's me and you. No one <laughs> snitches. You let me, you let me know when when you're at one of those big Wells Fargo's and we make you imagine this in 1965 how <laughs> rampant that scam must have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably how the mafia went from like a D league oh, team yeah. to the majors. You know what I mean? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That scam was probably how it happened right there. Oh man. <laughs> uh, <sighs> uh, Simpler times when robberies were completely possible. It was, wow. a, gen- it was a gentleman's game back then. <laughs> it was a gentleman's game. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different time. Yep. Okay, so you you so you 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 worked for them. That was one of your first jobs, is working at, at at the at the auto spot. Yep. After that, that's when you moved into like working with mortgages. Yep, I became a real estate appraiser. I'd um I I became a real estate appraiser probably when I was twenty. I wasn't old enough to drink, so maybe 19 or 20, and I was appraising houses. This would have been in 2003, okay. um, and so kind of as the bubble was starting to take off and more as real estate was kind of starting to blow up, um, and then I got out of appraisals because there just wasn't a lot of money in it for how hard you work, and um, when I was in appraisals, man, I mean, you know, you're going into people's houses and, and there was a couple of pretty, pretty bad scenarios um, where I went into people's houses um, and it was just, it made me not want to have to do that eight times a day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough gig and, uh, and you see some shit. So oh, uh, one of the stories I always tell. like to tell uh, one of the, one of the, and it's kind of a sad story, but I was doing this house in Eden Prairie um, and it was this really uppity, uh, I don't remember the golf course that they have up there, but, um, it was on one of the golf courses and it was a really uppity couple. And they were like, well, we don't ever go downstairs into the basement. That's where our daughter lives. And we respect her privacy. And that's what they told me. And I was like, well, I got to go down there and see what's down there. So I went down there and I mean, there was straight up like meth bulbs. There was, um, foils with meth on it, burnt into Oof. it. There was, um, like uh. drawings of like, cutting and like it was definitely uh a really sad really sad uh kind of cry for help and these parents were not um about to answer it and i could kind of tell and when i went upstairs i asked them um how old uh their daughter was and she and they were like i think they told me she was 13 and i was just like and i was like you guys might want to go down and see what's going on down in your mind in in you know down in that basement and um they they weren't gonna. I mean, they were more interested in whatever they were doing the golf, and you could Keeping tell up that, appearances. Exactly, exactly, and and so they weren't they weren't gonna come up uh, with that. And then on the opposite end of that story, I went into a house in uh, East St. Paul, and the guy answered. It was my first one of the day because it was the furthest one of the day. So I I always did those in the morning and kind of worked my way into the city. Um, and 
um, the guy answered the door at eight, eight thirty in the morning and he has a beer in his hand and he's drunk. Now he's not just like, everybody <laughs> has a different, right for East St. Paul. <laughs> everybody, everybody has a different version of drunk. Now I, I worked as a bartender. I've been known to wet my whistle. I'm talking, this guy has been partying for easily six hours. I mean, he's in barely conversation mode where it's, it's in rough shape. And uh, I always said the same thing when I praised houses. I'd go in and I'd be like, hey, does everybody know I'm here? Because I'm just going to open doors and look at what's going on here. I'm not going to knock or anything. I'm trying to get in and out. And he's like, yeah, my wife's upstairs, but she knows you're there. And so when I went in, I knocked on the on the door. I opened the door. And this was easily, and I mean easily, a 350-pound woman. And I'm not fat shaming by any means. Um, but this was a big girl. And in one of the messiest rooms I have ever seen in my life, I mean, there was cat litter. There was, it was just absolutely disgusting. There was cat turds by the bed. It was absolutely the most disgusting thing. And as she woke up, she was naked and she turned around and she looked at me and she's like, oh, do you need me to move? And I remember I'm just standing in the doorway, this fresh faced (laughs) 20 year old kid excited about my, my career in real estate. And uh, there's just, uh, and uh, what I would consider an unattractive woman um, with what I would consider an, a non-sexual items, cat turds, um, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> just mixed it all together with a smell of sweat and sex and vagina and beer. And it, it smelled like uh, what I imagine an Applebee's floor tastes like after a Saturday morning. <laughs> that's, that's what the smell was. And so I remember I was like, I'm, I remember I was like Danny Glover and I'm 20 years old and I'm just like, I'm too old for this shit. You know, like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta make some more money. So then I started, I started selling houses and, uh, cause you don't have to see as many people for more money when you sell houses. And so, uh, that's how I transitioned out of that. You, just, you saw some burnt shit. out old vet. Yeah, I'm a burnt out old vet. I'm not even old enough to drink yet. I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, you know, it's just, it was not, uh, it was not like what you think it is. You just think, hey, I'm going to go into these beautiful houses and these people are going to be ready for me. No, um, most people don't have their shit together. And so um, <laughs> you got to kind of deal with that. And that's, that's tough. Yeah, that's. That, I, I'm just still like just the imagery of both of those are are just yeah I hit you me. with the heart I tried to hit you with the heart on the first one and it was I'm I'm a person where something like that hits me on a deep level you know and some people might be able to see and we're talking about the meth of course in the Eden Perry houses um it, the it it hits me on a certain level because I it's almost like I can smell the pain you know what I mean like the walls oh, yeah. have pain in them. And even in a beautiful house where most people would go, man, those people have the life. They have the money, they have the cars, they have the cabin, they have, you know, the wife is hot, you know, the, the whole family looks like a, uh, the, the insert that they put in a frame when you buy it from Target, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, really, and, and you get like, it's like that poster, poster family. And uh, really there is not, there's a lot going on there and it's, it's painful and it's sad and, I remember uh, I, I, I must have said to him four times, I was like, hey, you guys want to go down there? Like, you want to go look? I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, you just, you want to go down and check out what's going on down there. 
and they're like, well, we respect her privacy. And if she becomes a woman, you know, like that's her area. And, and it wasn't all that was bullshit. I mean, I get respecting your kid's privacy. It was the fact that they knew what was going on down there. They were just refusing to acknowledge it. And, um, you know, I, I at that age, I don't imagine like that shit's going to get much different better. different kind of neglect. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's a whole different kind of neglect where you, where, you know, maybe you know the mayor and the city councilman, but better than you know that your own child, you know, sitting in the basement or whatever they're doing, you know. Oh, but she's just going through a phase. Legendary poet Biggie said, mo money, mo problems. And, and I didn't mm. believe it when I was a poor kid, but... Um, when I was selling houses, um, when I was selling houses, it, it started to make a little sense. Although I'd, I'd much rather have rich people problems. I think I'd be awesome. <laughs> Still would be pretty I'd, nice I'd, to find out I'd, for yourself. Not, yeah, no, I'd be, I'd be fucking awesome at rich people problems. I've had poor people problems for way too long. Um, I think I've, 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 I've mastered that game. Time to have some rich people problems. Word. So you, you moved into uh, being a realtor. Yep. And then, so I was selling houses. And then what I started doing, man, is I sold houses for a while. And the boom of mortgages was kind of going up. And as that happened, my first stepdad died. And I was doing, I was selling houses and my mom owned a mortgage company. And so um, my stepdad died and my mom just stopped doing mortgages. So what I started doing is I started doing mortgages. Um, I started doing mortgages, um, after selling real estate, cause that's where the money was. And I mean, the, the reality was, is I was doing mortgages pretty much until the economy just went flat on it. And so I was on the front lines, man. And, um, those big companies were, were the ones really trying to push the risky buyers. They were making tons of money off of it. And, um, you know, when we were doing them, it was always weird. We used to make a joke. Like I was like, they, they almost punish us and they pay us less when we get a real good buyer. Um, because the real good buyers, they couldn't package with higher interest rates as much as the, as the shitty ones. And that was when I got out of it. And I mean, the hilarious part is right before the whole thing collapsed, I, uh, got a job at the strip club. And to me, women selling their naked bodies and not prostituting, but um, at least at the club um, and having an honest strip club um, was more honest than doing mortgages in my oh, own mind yeah. at that time. Because you walk into a strip club, you know what you're getting. You might think you're going to get something else, but that's your wishful thoughts, you know. But um, in mortgages, I think that dream was being sold in a way that it wasn't going to be realistic for some people in their finances and, and especially when everything collapsed, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Plus between the two industries, I mean, they're very different definitions of bubble popping. Yeah. Well, strip clubs are recession proof, baby. Everybody's going to go to the strip club. And, and when I was working, when I was working at Sinners, man, um, we had rough times because people weren't going downtown or like if there was a shooting in downtown, we'd have a rough week because people would stop going downtown. But, um, strip clubs are strip clubs are strip clubs man and the certain kind of people that go to that thing and especially the regulars the ones that keep the lights on they're gonna go find somewhere to do their thing so you started as the door a doorman there correct yep i just well yeah i i started as a, the door guy um and then they were only gonna hire me part-time and then a couple people got fired um and then i became security 
and then I became the head of security, and then I became security and the bartender. Then I was security bartender and a DJ. Then I was security bartender, DJ, and the manager. Um, and then I was manager, DJ. And then I quit. I do were, in, were any of the strippers narcoleptics? No, none of the strippers <laughs> were narcoleptics. No, nope. <laughs> just just the dude I worked with at North Country Ford. <laughs> just the dude I worked with at North Country Ford. I do love that DJ is the wrong right below manager. Yeah. In the, in the yeah. Scenario, well, like the, Second most important, most important person, manager. Second most, DJ. Bartender, yeah. no, DJ. Yeah. yeah, Matt, you don't go to a lot of strip clubs, do you? No. Uh, no, no. Um, they, no, 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 no. So, so if you go into a strip club, I mean, really, I mean, it would go the women are the most important, you well, know, yeah. right? Yeah. And I mean, then the managers the and, yeah, yeah no, and, and, and then the, the managers and then the DJ, because the DJ is the one who has to organize these girls most of the time. Being a DJ sucks. Like, people think they're like, oh, man, like, you worked at a strip club. That must have been a blast. No, um, there's one of my favorite lines uh, in one of my favorite shows, The Wire. Um, in the first season, D'Angelo goes in and he's talking to Orlando, who owns a strip club. And he goes, man, you must love working here. And Orlando looks at him and he goes if you start dealing with these bitches and all their problems, you want to close this place down and start a laundromat right where you stand. <laughs> and he is dead serious. And, um, you know, I mean, you're dealing with 13 to 20 women who may or may not like each other. They might, they might have some personal stuff going on. And so the manager deals with that, but the DJ deals with the more of the front lines because they're arguing about music. They're arguing about when they're going up, when they might take a break. It's, it's a tough job, man. We'll get, uh, so my, my, I guess let's, let's start as the door guy. Okay. So the door guy is that he's the first line of defense in the strip club. Yeah. You did, did you get, did you guys have a dress code? Uh, no. Well, I mean, for a while we said no wind pants just because we were getting a lot of weird boner people from sex world. Um, the one thing I should explain, the one thing I should explain is this, the strip club I worked for was, was, uh, created by the dude who started sex world. His name was Dennis. And I'm assuming I never saw his finances, but I'm assuming that Dennis in his old age wanted a, a tax write-off. And um, a strip club is one hell of a tax write-off because it's a lot of cash and you never really know what the hell is going in and out of, of it at the end of the day. Um, and so um, we had like, we didn't, we weren't in sex world, but we were right next to sex world. So we got um, a lot of the perverts, like the real, not like the looky loos who want to ride the dick at sex world, but I'm talking like the hardcore weird fucking dudes that are like you know uh probably on a list somewhere and their neighbors probably know who they are like the really 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 out there creepy dudes um and we didn't serve alcohol so so it was more of a fully nude type of experience um and it was it was definitely a strange one so working the door um the one thing that you hear all the time is can i get a peek that was always what you heard. Nobody wanted to pay the money. They wanted to go around and look at the girls. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, because everyone's at, at Sex World is such an honest person. Um, <laughs> I, I just I just assume that they'd come back, right? I could just let them in when I have one job, which is just to charge the people the money at the door that I'm sitting at. Like the most simplistic job, you could train a 
an iguanada probably do. Um, <laughs> so, but no, and then, and then, I mean, then when fights break out, you, at that place, the way to get them out, you'd have to go by the front door. So if we kicked people out um, as the door guy, you, you had a rough kind of position because if that person came back or they wanted to fight, or if there was a big fight, um, the door guy was going to be the first one to see it for sure. Is there any anybody? St- there's any like stories that stand out from that? Like anything that you can kind of remember? Like a specific working night at the strip club? Oh, yeah, man, well, specifically there's... as like the door guy, like being one of the front, that front, that front oh. of the fence sort of thing. Uh, uh, uh-huh. I, I, the best story I can tell you was um, the there was there used to be a door where like and so if you know downtown, it's Washington and Second. So it's uh, like right, you'd have to go around the corner to go to sex world, but we used to have a door where you could go in and you're going straight. And if you go left, you go to the, the strip club that I worked in. If you go right, you could go into sex world. And this girl came in and she's super cute. She's with her cute little done up friends. You can tell it took them four hours to get ready and she can't find her ID. And she's like, look, all I got to do is use the bathroom blah 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 well i've been burned on this like a hundred times and they say oh i'm only gonna use the bathroom and then like an hour later i go in there and they're wandering around sex world right and this is a stupid game i played too many times and so i'm like no you need to show me your id and she's getting mad she's getting mad this girl pees all over herself right in front of me like right like literally she goes girl i'm gonna pee myself right here and she peed all over herself and she's in like a dress little cocktail dress so i watched this girl just essentially pee all over her leg and her shoes and then just essentially tell me to go fuck myself and then she walked out the door with a big puddle of pee right in front of my desk (laughs) Um, and you know what she was cute as hell and i guarantee you she went to the club that night and i guarantee you some dude banged her and didn't even know that she had pee all over (laughs) and that dude was happy that dude was happy to be there he's like damn that girl kind of smells like pee but oh well she's cute (laughs) <laughs> or, or maybe he was German. Do you know? Yep. That's that's my best door guy story, but I wasn't the door guy for very long. I kind of moved up pretty quick because um, at the time I was doing a lot of jujitsu and I'm a really nice person. So like when I debt collect or when I do security, I'm really good at not letting you get under my skin. And I'm, I'm really good at not letting the situation get worse than you're allowing it to. So like, for example, if I'm doing security and you're like, well, fuck you, fuck your mom. I'm just like, hey, man, let's go talk about this somewhere else. Um, there are times where I might lose my cool, where I might have drank too much or something, and, and the whole strip club got the best of me. Um, but for the most part, at the beginning, I was treating the job with some respect. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, were, I moved up from door guy pretty quick. And then, I mean, six months later, I was the head of security because um, I was the most reliable. I showed up every day. I mean, I'd been doing... When I was doing mortgages, I was working 50 hours a week. So to me, to be around naked women, I didn't care about showing up every day and getting paid. Um, and so I showed up every day and I was really good about handling situations. I was really good about getting situations out of the club before they became bad. And um, so I moved up pretty quick. Um, I have so many stories about the strip club. My, my friend Danielle... Um, my real good friend, she reminded me a couple Christmases ago, she was like, do you remember that time you fought those two dudes dressed as elves for $10? <laughs> and I was like, no, that wasn't me. I was like, I think you think that was someone else. And on Christmas, Facebook, 
opened up a memory and it said, today I had to fight two grown men dressed as elves for $10. Merry Christmas, everybody. So I have so many memories, man, that like I I forgot about fighting two dudes by myself dressed as elves for $10. I mean, that's if I ever write a biography about the strip club that I worked at, that's the title. Fighting two dudes dressed as elves for $10. (laughs) Oh my God! <laughs> Do you remember if you won? Uh, hell yeah, I won. Okay, they were Let's... dressed as elves, Matt. I mean, come on, <laughs> you can't as as a man, you can't let a. I don't care if Mike Tyson is 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 in that elf outfit. I got to take him down, or I wouldn't be telling you the story right now. He's not gonna be head of security <laughs> anymore either. <laughs> no, they would have stripped me of my head of security. I would have been door guy. I would have been janitor. I would have been goo goo cleaner off the mirrors like, on the stage or something. No, You're cleaning up puddles no. of piss in front of the door. Yeah, no, no. We had someone else for that. They had sex world janitors to do that. That that stuff. Yeah, those guys lost to elves. What? Oh, the guys who had to clean up all that—they lost to elves. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think they were felons. I'm assuming because how do you get a job cleaning at sex world? I'm assuming. Uh, probably some sort of government program for felons. I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually knew a bunch of the janitors, and they were really nice. Great story about Sex World is there was a guy when I worked there um, who would call in and tell um, the uh, clerks there to have the janitor not clean the jerk off booths, and he would go in there and lick the walls of the jerk off booths oh, at Sex oh, World. And, fucking and, hell. And he would tip and he would tip the janitor to not clean so that he could go in there. Now, when I tell you that we got the weirdos from Sex World, that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Like some things things that you're like, you made that up. No, I did not make that up. That is a real thing. So old Jizzmouth Jones over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, weird stuff. Weird stuff. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from that? (laughs) I don't know. That's... (laughs) I'm rarely at a loss for words, Nick. I I promise you that is a real story. Like the janitors would come in and be like, yeah, that weird guy came in today and he tipped me 50 bucks. And I'd be like, all right. If you don't follow up with you sold a house that had a jizz room in it, then it (laughs) really pales in comparison. I'm sorry. I have not. Most, Most of my real estate clients are pretty normal, or at least what I see. You know, they, they at least have the goddamn decency to keep their perversions to themselves. You know, that's right. I would have to say that story is your money shot. That's that's my money shot. That's the story. That's that's the that's that's the one. Yeah. It's, yeah. When if you go to Sex World, thank those people behind the counter because you will never understand the kind of shit that they see. Um, they 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 work really hard, and especially late at night, they see. A group of people that I don't think most human beings even know exist. <laughs> people who don't know the internet exists. Yeah, well, yeah, or people who just the internet. It's not about it's watching not porn on the internet. It's about you seeing them picking out porn and you knowing what their perversions are, because somebody has to know. And unfortunately, it's the sex world um, employees. Um, and God bless them. I, I worked. I mean, I worked at centers, but they're all great human beings, and they have patience um, beyond patience. So you you were a DJ at, at at the strip club. What was the most requested song? I'm in love with a stripper. Uh, of course, by T Pain. 
Yep. Oh, no, be, no, no fucking creativity at all. But the nice thing that I made the most money DJing because customers would tip you to play their songs. So if some idiot SoundCloud rapper wanted me to play their shit. They'd give me 20 bucks. The dancers would give me money to play like the hot song. And I know where to find like new music on the internet. So we'd have new music like before anybody else would. And then girls would be fighting over it before anyone else would, because every girl wants to dance to a certain thing. And, you know, everybody else danced to, if they weren't tipping me, they danced to something that I liked, you know, Prince or something that's sexy. <laughs> Prince, is, Prince is universally sexy. Like, yeah. no matter what kind of dancer you are, you could be black, you could be white, you could be anything, and you're looking sexy dancing to Prince. I mean, if you can't shake your ass to Little Red Corvette, I mean. Yeah. And it's Minnesota. Come what? on, have some pride. Yep. Yep. Have some pride. It's Minnesota. Or if you, but yeah, if no, DJing, uh, DJing was probably, um, that was where I was at the end. And that's what started me as a comedian. Um, I don't know how much time we have. I'll tell you a real quick story. Plenty, plenty. Um, um, I, before I started telling comedy, um, me and my boss, Ryan, um, at the strip club, we'd talk about me starting to do comedy. And he was like, man, you're funny. So I was like, well, let me be a DJ. And I was making enough money as the head of security because I was the one who would go down to the VIP. I mean, I was making peak money um, for what I was doing. Um, and so it wasn't really a position where maybe I was going to make more money to do because I was going to get worse days. So like as security, I'm getting whatever days I want. But as a DJ, I'm going to have to take some of these shitty days because the good DJs are, you know what I mean? Like they're working the Friday, Saturday, blah, blah, blah. So um, uh, I told him I wanted to work with my mic skills. So I learned how to talk into a microphone before I, it was one of the excuses I made to not be a comedian was I'm going to learn how to talk into a microphone because I have a loud, boomy voice and it takes kind of a certain way to talk into it um, correctly when with my loud, my loud nature. And so, um, one night uh, we were super slow and these three guys came into the club and all of a sudden every girl, they didn't spend any money um, right away. And it was pissing me off because I was, they were, they weren't tipping the girls. I was putting girls on stage. I was really getting agitated by the whole ordeal. And all of a sudden every girl we had came out and started sitting next to these guys. I have no idea. And I'm, it's making me angry. They haven't spent a dollar, but now every girl is like hanging on these dudes like wanting to be their next, their next um, wife. And so all of a sudden one of the girls comes up to me and she goes, we're going downstairs, which is where the VIP was. So I brought these girls downstairs and it was the first time that I saw a black card. So I ran three girls for three dudes. And I believe if I remember right, it was 680 for the hour. So that would be like what? 1300 or yeah. What, what is that? For three so dudes, that would be like $1,900, $2,000 mm-hmm. yep. about sixteen eighty. Yeah, for Probably. each person. So it was like seven grand with tips and whatnot. And it was a black card. It was the first time I ever saw a real black Woo! card. And there was no name on it. And so I just ran the black card. I didn't really catch the name or anything. We go downstairs. And as soon as I went downstairs, um, I hear Cartman's voice coming out of the room. And it's Trey Parker. And I realized who the fuck this dude is. Because I was thinking it was some guy I kicked out of the club. Like, I knew I remembered his face. But usually that means I threw you on your ass in the alley, right? So I'm thinking like a security guy. And I realize it's Trey Parker. And so Trey Parker brought his two friends, blah, blah, blah. I'll skip, I'll skip forward. But um, we didn't have alcohol at the club. So I told him to go to Runyon's downtown. If you know downtown, Runyon's is still there. 
and um and to go get drinks and i show him where to go and so later i'm like i tell my boss i'm like dude well they're still at runnings and there's nobody down there i want to go down there and have a drink and see if i can talk to him and so my boss was like, well, don't go kiss his ass or anything. That'll be lame. And I was like, dude, I'm going to go sit at the bar and I'm going to totally ignore that they're there. And so I go down there and it's Trey Parker and his two friends and it's Runyon's is completely empty, which I mean, this is a downtown bar. It's usually pretty busy, but it was just a weird Friday night. And I go to the bar. I totally sit there. I order some drinks and all of a sudden Trey Parker yells at me and he goes, dude, I'm sorry to interrupt you on your break. He's like, but you have to tell us what the fuck it's like to work at a strip club. He's like, we're all amazed at how you got this job and how it's not the greatest job ever. And like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he starts buying us shots and we start, we start doing shots. He's asking me about my favorite South Park episode. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm naming off some episodes. And the poor bartender, it's just us and the bartender of Runyon's. And the poor bartender comes up and he goes, I really loved basketball. And Trey Parker looks at him and goes, man, he goes, I fucking hate that movie. I had to do it as a favor to somebody. Like, he's like, you know, uh, I don't ever mention it to me again. But anyway, me and Trey Parker have a bunch of shots and he's more interested in me than, I mean, like he just boggles his mind that this is my job, that I work around naked women all day. And the last thing he said to me before he walked out the door, and by this time my boss had come down because I told him, I was like, dude, can my boss come down and have drinks with you? It's your fucking Trey Parker. And he's like, yeah, man, I'll buy him drinks, whatever. And so right as Trey Parker walks out the door, um, he looks back at me and he goes, Nick, you are a funny motherfucker. And he walks out the door and my boss looked at me and he's like, dude, you have to start doing comedy. And so the very next day was my day off and I went to my first open mic the next day. So the reason I finally got courage to do comedy was because I was uh, working at a strip club and Trey Parker told me I was a funny motherfucker. So I went and did, and, uh, did my first mic and finally Jesus got over the Christ. That's, That's an awesome epic. origin story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It went long. It's it's a hard oh. story to get through, but I got to tell you, like you know, the whole the whole Cut ordeal. It. It's a, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I muttered. He was down the street, and I muttered, "Give me a job! Like, give me a writing job! Take me out of this!" And to him, he's <laughs> like, "Dude, how do I get it?" He was like, "How do we swap lives? Like, it's like going to be a Lindsay Lohan movie. He gets to work <laughs> at a strip club and deal with all these ladies and their problems, and I get to be Trey Parker and deal with all his problems." Oh, what a comedy. Try to make a TV show in a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they have a, they have a certain rhythm, but no, man, I thought that was awesome. And, the, and he bought me a bunch of drinks and it was just a, one of those conversations. Sometimes life gives you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, you know, for some weird reason or another. Yeah, I don't, I don't crazy. know where we can go from there in terms of any more of your <laughs> this stories. This is the second time you've said that. You're, you're dumbfounding the poor host of this show, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, guys. No, it's... <laughs> I got more... I got some... Stop being an interesting guy. Yeah, stop having good yeah. stories. Let's talk about COVID. <laughs> no, uh... Yeah. Uh, no, uh, so like you, you, where did you go after after working in a strip club and being around that and and, and your origin story in comedy and everything? Where did you, you went into bartending after that? Uh, well, man, what I did is I got laid off for the first time in my life because the strip club was going to be bought by my the guy, my boss that I was telling you in that story, and then that fell through, so they shut it down because the original owner died. And the new owner is a dude named Dennis. He's, he's a nice guy. He was there. I mean, uh, a buck is his name. And 
um he's a really nice guy you might have heard he does like he owns like some giant vape shop up north now too um but he's a super nice guy but he um didn't have any interest in the strip club and so they shut it down and i was unemployed for a couple months and then my girlfriend at the time got really sick of me being unemployed so she made me take a job and i took a job doing irrigation so i was the only gringo in a group of um, mexicans and um i have a shitty work ethic as it is but you put me around a bunch of mexicans and i look goddamn privileged white american as they come um i'm looking at i'm looking at my watch i'm telling you it's hot we need more water um it's just not i am not i just came from working at a strip club and i complained about it you know can you imagine you being closer nine hours? you know what i mean like that's not good and then um and then after the irrigation job kind of ended, I took a job debt collecting, and that's how I started debt collecting. Any, uh, so uh, was that over the like, phone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Debt collecting you on the door phone. door knocking and shaking people down for money? No, dude. But after, <laughs> after, I mean, after I had to literally shake people down for money face to face, um, debt collecting was remarkably easy. Um, for me because you're on the phone what are you gonna do are we gonna fight over the phone like oh no right. please don't hang up on me you know what i mean like i don't care you know and again it goes back to the same thing that made me good at security is if i when i debt collect i'm not yelling at you though hang up on me i don't care like it's not that big of a deal you know but if you want to deal with it um i can tell you how to deal with it and you're going to get maybe some customer service out of it where i'm going to help um with a, with whatever range I can help, but in that kind of job, you, it doesn't it doesn't do anything to just be an asshole in either one of those jobs, you know. So it's easier to be able to talk to people, and then they can't really they realize their frustrations are their own. If that makes sense. I'm learning a lot in this episode. You know, cop car has a button on the left. Uh, yep. You know, strippers fight over music and now how to get out of debt collecting. This has been very educational. This is a good episode. You didn't like know it. strippers fought over music? Holy I, I just, shit. Yeah, I'm I'm oh I'm, I'm, I'm very innocent. Uh as you know, oh. Nick. I'm just uh, I'm just <laughs> super I, I can't even imagine with, with these new TikTok challenges what the poor strip club DJs in America are going through. Um, oh, no, I've, there's been, there's been shoe fights. I have broken up shoe fights over shoe fights. who, I mean, and, and when I was working at the strip club, it was kind of when Drake was just becoming a thing. And so when Drake was coming out, um, I broke up several fights over, over Drake, um, for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> oh man. And, and, and in my opinion of Drake is that he is, um, he's black people's kid rock. Like he's okay. like, he's their version. He's their version of kid rock. He does everything. He like kid rock can play the drums. He can play the guitar. He can sing, but he sucks at all of it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he can do everything, but he's not good at any one thing. Drake can rap. He can sing. He can do beats, but he doesn't do any of it really especially well. He just kind of does it. You know, it's like, eh, 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 eh. you get what I'm saying? I'm sorry. I'm trying to Dance, if you guys want to have me back on and talk an hour and a half of shit about Drake, you let me fucking know because That'll man, be right, that guy man. noted. If I if I were if I were to complain about things, reasons working at the strip club sucked, um, and I made a pie chart, Drake would be twenty three percent of why working at the strip club sucked. 
I didn't think Degrassi had anything to do with uh, strip clubs, but here we go. Yep. That's, uh, You're learning so much. You're learning so much. This is a very special. I'm going to put it very. This That's is a the very secondary special. objective of this podcast is just to educate <laughs> Matt about the world a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I live in St. Cloud. Okay. Like there's uh, the strip really, clubs up in St. Cloud. Uh, they're, they're very sad. Yeah. Uh, they're all sad, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Even the happiest strip club is sad. Nobody woke up the next day and was like, man, I spent $5,000 to have blue balls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nobody did that. Nobody woke up seriously and was like, man, I got a stripper really like me. Let's let's take out some cash and it's go gonna back. It's going to be a I mean, good day. It feels like a strip <laughs> club kind of day. Yeah, it feels like a strip club kind of day. No, this is reserved for... Old guys in wind pants. Like I told you, you asked me if there was a, a dress code for about two months. I got wind pants banned, and it was a big deal. We had a uprising, like like a mask uprising. It was a bunch of old creeper white guys who wanted their wind pants in strip clubs. Some anti-pantsers. Right. Yep. No, just wind pants. If you haven't seen, I mean, dude, like that's another thing. Like when people say working at the strip club must have been fun. I, I can't possibly describe to you how many boners I've seen, how many dudes pulled their dicks out. And I had to fight with a grown man while he just pulled his wiener out. You know what I mean? I mean, again, <laughs> you're dealing with a, a different level of person. So me going from, hey, sir, put your dick away and now you have to leave to, hey, do you want to pay this debt? Possibly. It was a easy segue. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was kind of like I was taking a couple steps back. Right. And you, you don't, you don't, yeah, I guess like looking at other people's debt doesn't make you feel kind of uncomfortable or at least in the same way. No. And, and if I can help you on it too, if I know that like there's a way maybe I can get rid of some money. And again, I don't give a shit. It's kind of one of those jobs where, Hey, if you have a bad day, fuck it. I'm going home. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I have my soul invested in it. Um, you know what I mean? Like nah, I'm out of here, you know, bye. <laughs> And then I can go do comedy or whatever. That was kind of when I was starting doing debt collection, that was probably when I was doing the most comedy because I had PTO. I had days I could take off. I could take shows. Um, you know, it wasn't until I was kind of stacking other things on top of things. So, but yeah. And it wasn't a job hanging over your head that you're worried about what was going to happen the next yeah. day. You didn't have like projects to worry about. So it just cleared up your headspace to think about jokes. Yep. With real estate, man, like it's, constant pressure on yourself you got to be right. generating new business you got to make sure your deals are closing you got to make sure everybody's happy there's a lot of stress that never really kind of goes away you don't physically work a lot but you're dealing with a lot of emotion like kind of just a lot of stress whereas now you go deck collect man you hang up the phone uh so nick um the alpha service podcast we're not just here to talk uh about the customer service jobs and i mean and you've given us some phenomenal stories ones that i okay. never forget <laughs> Uh, but uh, we're also here to battle the scourge that is known okay. as Karens. Okay. Uh, but before we get into our next segment, uh, Nick, uh, we always like to ask our guests, how would you define a Karen? Uh, a Karen is the is a, a presumably a female. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? I think bitchy dudes can be Karens. Let's 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 push that. Let's push that narrative. Yes. Um, but just but just someone who their life sucks and they can't vent any of their frustrations out on the people in their life. Um, so they have to take it out on somebody 
in the in the restaurant or bartending industry because they got no one else to do it for and uh and that's how they survive would that be pretty close that's great because they're always the same it's never i never think it's about what's happening like if i go to applebee's and i get a shitty meal I went to Applebee's. You know what I mean? Like next time <laughs> I'll set me. my game up. Yeah, that's on me. I, I got a I got a $11 steak. That doesn't even mathematically <laughs> add up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? Like it's not their fault that they cooked garbage. You know what I mean? I purchased garbage. That was what happened. You know? So um uh but it, it's always um I didn't tell but when I was a kid I worked for Subway. Um, and we had a lady who would come in and this was when there was three for, it was three for nine ninety nine way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, she would have me literally put everything on the sandwich to the point where it physically could not close. And I remember she yelled at my manager who ended up being married to my cousin. Um, so she was dating my cousin. That's how I got the job. But she ended up yelling at my manager because I couldn't close the sandwich and I remember my manager said, lady, God himself couldn't close that sandwich. <laughs> and that was the manager. She should have just not even asked for the manager and had me make her a bowl or something. But that was one of the funniest lines is just her going, God himself couldn't have closed that sandwich. Look at it. Like, Do you guys uh, remember the nine pounds of banana cut peppers. that they would put in on those, yeah. on the, the old subway sandwiches i still do them when i go to subway i ask them to let me cut my own bread because that was i did the v-cut and with a meatball sandwich if you ever get the meatball or something that's going to be a little gooey if you have them do that v-cut it's the shit yeah and like i i ask every now and again they'll give me the knife and most subway they're like we're not giving the customer (laughs) the knife and the bread this seems but every now and again get that 15 year old kid that just doesn't want to tell me no and they'll hand me the knife and the bread and they'll let me just do the v-cut because they don't know what's going on he probably thinks it's a sexual thing let's me do the v yeah well no i'm like like, do you know what a v-cut is what is i guess yeah you're right the v-cut does kind of sound like a sexual thing doesn't it (laughs) if i ask some poor poor 15 16 year old kid if they know what a v-cut is they're like oh god is this some some millennial sex thing yeah you're right do you know what a v-cut is no i I borrow your knife and that bread yeah yeah yeah. well nick walks into a subway and he's like listen i'm a distinguished alumnus of subway university Yes, yeah. so I'm a I, doctor. Know what I'm doing. I have a doctor. I'm a sandwich artist, goddamn it! That doesn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, Nick, I'm um, an alumni. I'm 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 Subway <laughs> alumni. On this podcast, we call male uh, Karens Kieran's. Oh, Kieran's. Kieran's. Yeah. I think that name's too much too much pepper for what it is. I do like <laughs> the pun, but but it's it's it's. <laughs> It's gotta, it's gotta be pure salt, baby. And, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, what would be, what would be. Sometimes they're also um, referred to as Kyle's or Chad's. Yeah. Kyle's. Yeah, Kyle's. See Chad. I like, I know too many good Chad's. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I don't, do I know any good Kyle's? I don't know. Not off the top of my head. So let's go with Kyle. I like Fair that. Enough. Well, on this podcast, <laughs> as long as we battle. Not Nick. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> On this podcast, we battle uh, Kyle's and Karen's in a segment that we like to call the Karen of the week. 
This is Karen. I'm your boss. Oh my God, Karen. Oh my God, Karen. Oh my God, Karen. Each and every week, we select different Yelp reviews, uh, complaints on Facebook, Google, um, even sometimes handwritten notes or tweets uh, that Karen's leave. And uh, our our friend and fellow comic, uh, Rebecca Wilson, has to uh, artistically re- uh, reenact them for us. Uh, so here's Rebecca with the Karen of the week. These beliefs are not held by the Awful Service podcast. And this comes to you from a Karen called Tracy Zilly from Twitter. So you can get at this Karen at Tracy Zilly. That is T-R-A-C-Y-Z-I-L-L-E for any comments or backlash. Black women spend so much money on their hair to look white and scream, Black Lives Matter, on the other hand. Doesn't natural African black beauty matter as well? Or is it better to look white than black? Is this not self-racism of discriminating against your own natural hair? Wow. That's the first one we've ever had with the disclaimer. Yeah, and we've had some really bad ones. Yeah. That, wow. <laughs> shout out to shout out to Rebecca for the, the disclaimer that these views do not represent <laughs> yeah. us at all. That's some good forward thinking there. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, you gotta love it when a white woman loves to tell another uh, race uh, uh, how to feel about things. So which like Facebook spiral did you find this in? Like where? Um, that one was found on the No Karen uh, Facebook group that I'm a part of. Uh, so shout out to them. That one was though like, that is some like that is some grade A level like awful Karen. Like that's some that's some that's ugh. The uh, I I feel like I need to shower after listening to that. Like that's it's terrible. But I actually time, couldn't I couldn't hear it on my end, and I'm kind of happy about that now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically, this Karen said that uh, black women uh, shouldn't try to look white. And that, like, by their oh. hair products, make like they straightening, like they like straightening products for their hair makes them look white. So they, and but they they shouldn't be saying Black Lives Matter if they straighten their hair. But also suggesting huh. that being white was like a higher standard of beauty. Yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, and again, going back to my point, um, going back to my point, that that perfectly describes that that lady probably has no problem actually with. The hair products. Um, she's probably got some home issues. Oh yeah. Um, maybe maybe uh, her daughter is smoking meth in the basement and she doesn't want to acknowledge it or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I always think that this is never about whatever we're seeing. It's about something else, and somebody's just mad, and they need to take it out on on uh, some sort of worker, or they're gonna get a machine gun and go go take a bunch of people at the mall out. Right. I'm just this this episode has also left me dumbfounded now three times. So that's that's some more awful history, you guys. Yeah. That's more. Uh and sometimes uh sometimes when I'm dumbfounded, I have to ask myself, gee, why did it fail? Ooh, why did it fail? 
G wanted it fails a segment we do each and every week, Nick, where we talk about different restaurant chains. Uh, we talk about food products or promotions uh, that restaurants do. And we have to, we have to look, we dive deep and we look into uh, why do you think that didn't work out for them too well? Uh, this week, um, we're, we're, we're not, we're, it's a, it was a, uh, sorry, I'm still thinking about that, Karen. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, this week, we're talking about a promotion that was done uh, by Red Lobster. Yeah, the so, Lob. Uh, you know, we, we think Cheddar Bay Biscuits, correct? We think, oh, yeah. We think those, uh, we think about... The uh, and endless shrimp is is that one does really well for them. That's the big one. Think about the live lobster tank in the lobby. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, they tried something a little different because they, 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 they with the popularity of the all you can eat uh, shrimp promotion and all the money they made off of that. Uh, Red Lobster tried to do all you can eat snow crab legs. Okay. Oh man. So a little backstory. Um. Shrimp you can farm. In fact, shrimp are one of the easiestly farmed fish product that, or I mean, seafood product that you can get. Uh, Alaskan crab legs, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> because that is something they ha- that has to be farmed, correct? Yeah. It has to be caught. It has to be caught. fished for. Yeah. Yes. In the Don't wild. People- don't people fucking die fishing those things? Isn't there oh, yeah. like five yeah. shows about TV that? show Wild about it? Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's the dangerous. Just so catch. we can eat crab legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, is that what they're fishing for? Is that what they're? Is yes, that what yeah, they're, that Dungeness and uh, snow crab. Yeah, up up yeah, in Alaska. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Red Lobster got the good idea for the all-you-can-eat deal. For twenty dollars, you could do all-you-could-eat snow crab legs. But if you know anything about, well, Americans, and especially the Americans that like to go to Red Lobster for the all-you-can-eat uh, uh, seafood Americans will turn out for anything that says all-you-can-eat. This is true. But especially when it's seafood. And it's the same place, you know, where, where they're getting all the biscuits and stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they, 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 they did this. They did this promotion. It was going to be a $20, uh, $20 for all-you-can-eat snow crab legs. Um. Uh, at the time, the market price for the crab was just under five dollars a pound, which was, you know, that's that they, they could be doing all right. Um, they wanted to try and get it down to about three dollars a pound, but they couldn't get it to that point. But the executives surely thought, who's going to eat three uh, plates of crab at a chain restaurant? Fucking me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the promotion uh, had franchisees bleeding cash to the point where they lost um oh where does it i lost i lost the exact amount we're at uh it was over uh, they were losing millions of dollars uh, a week doing this promotion yeah uh, the, you know what the simple f- fixes to that just up the price no no mid promotion <laughs> <laughs> they also they also had underestimated how much snow crab they were going to need for the orders. Oh God! So they also had stores running out of snow crab and angry customers going through. Uh, yeah, and then and then also the uh, at that same time the demand for snow crab was up, uh, and they thought that was going to be like this big. Uh, they were going to be getting a big boon out of it. Um, 
And they actually did, uh, after a while, they did have to raise their prices, but it uh, was enough to scare off some customers. They lost, they were losing money on that as well because they were actually, they had to buy more product. Um, God, this is just, this is just a poor, um, oh God. Uh, some, this is an anecdote. One party of five boasted putting down 18 pounds of the stuff per person. Good for them. That's always my goal. Anytime there's an all you can eat situation, you go to try, you try to do it more damage than what they're charging. You. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, any all you can eat situations a dare to me basically all you can eat sushi is a good one to catch up on like real quick like 32 oh, yeah. bucks for a dinner and you have like six rolls you made your money back and from there it's just all about like correction each um they're uh each store some store or uh they were losing uh they were losing half a million dollars a week oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's so much money. <laughs> that's so much money. They they had to cut it short. It was supposed to be a. Uh, they were going to do it for. A, it was going to be a two month promotion. They only ran it for. Um, they only ran it for one, because they were losing money hand over fist, uh, on that. So, yeah. So I mean, I guess we don't really need to figure that one out. I, I think that they fi- they they figured that one out themselves the hard way. Push the biscuits. Fill them up. <laughs> no, well, and here's the deal: is whatever executive or you know, CEO came up with that idea, they should legally get to take him out back and just kick the shit out of him until he's like, whoever came up with that idea and whoever approved it, they need to like never be allowed to work at corporations. They should have to go literally serve tables at, at Red Lobster during all you can eat crab leg fest and see how that works out. See what kind of joy that brings them. You know no, what I mean? That CEO fucked up so bad that he should be the one getting tipped out by the guy who wants to go lick up the jizz at sex world. Yes. There you go. There you go. It reminds me of the Simpsons episode where, where all you can eat, where it's all you can eat at the fish place and Homer goes in and destroys it. And then he ends up suing him. And he's like, this is all the fish he ate. And and he comes in with all the wheelbarrows. And <laughs> What's hilarious about that, Nick? The article referenced that Simpsons episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone at the Red Lobster Corporation should have sent the CEO the, a copy of that of that episode and been like, "I don't think this is going to work out the way you think it's going to work out." <laughs> America, you can have all you can eat candy corn, five dollars, and Americans will shovel that shit down their throat um, all day long. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that, that's been on. There's been a lot of actual um, other or uh, restaurants that have failed at that like sort of thing. Uh, it, it, this isn't as big of a GY to fail, but like uh, there was the all you can eat appetizers that uh, TGI Fridays lost their ass on with mozzarella sticks. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't, you know, they used they they would always boast that they used the good ingredients. And they were using like better mozzarella. <laughs> they lost a bunch <laughs> of money on all, like, not uh, underestimating the fact that Americans will eat 30 mozzarella sticks. Yeah. If given the opportunity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially if you have a plan, like you know you're going somewhere. I mean, I went to uh, uh, an all you can eat place called Radizio in Maple Grove. It's kind of like a Fogo de Chao type place. But I mean, we went to a water park. I was, I didn't eat all day. I was ready to go. I was like, when I go there, yes. Like you guys said, I'm putting this company bankrupt by myself um, <laughs> just with Brazilian meat. 
you know, and, and that, that, that is the game. But you guys wanted to have unlimited Brazilian meat. And it's, so it turns out I like eating meat. So <laughs> was it one I of those places those, that uh, those uh, sushi places, they've uh, they have a little disclaimer at the bottom of like the receipt when you pay for it, when you walk up to the counter saying, I want all you can eat sushi, they're like, we reserve the right to like cut you off and charge <laughs> price if you eat too much. Yep. Yep. I was gonna ask, was that was that that the Brazilian steak place you went to? Did they also have the card with like the the flip where you want if you want more, you yep. gotta flip it? Yeah, yeah it was like, like a wooden thing. Turned it over to red yet. Yep. It's still green. No, we went for my buddy's birthday and he wouldn't let us flip it until the very end. He's like, You don't flip it, you just tell him no. And he was like, but he was about to vomit all over the place from just pure <laughs> grilled pineapple and lamb. And I mean, it was, it was so much, man. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Sounds like a Roman orgy. No, it was. I mean, if I think without coronavirus, it would have been, I think it would have just broken out. But with coronavirus, everyone was trying to respect each other's six feet rules and whatnot. All right, Nick, um, this has been a great episode. I've learned a lot. Uh, but before we go, we have one more segment before we 86 the podcast. Okay. Uh, and it's a segment we call uh, Human Yelp Reviews. This is where you, our guest, get to review the podcast. Okay. Uh, we prefer out of five stars, but that's merely a suggestion. You can use as many as you want. Okay. Um, you can either review the whole show itself. You can review myself, Nathan, or Jalen. Um, okay. However you want to do it. Uh, we've had people look up other reviews and just literally change names, whatever works for you. Okay. So how about I'll, I'll give you guys each your individual, uh, Jalen gets yeah, a five cool. out of five. Cause, uh, are you doing the cutting? I imagine you're doing the editing and Jalen, yep. you're my guy. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to give you a three out of five because of your nice abs and how okay. they don't, <laughs> and, and how they don't match with my chubby face. <laughs> and you're tanner than me okay so it's a it's you would have gotten a five out of five because i love you but it's a player hating it's a player hating three out of five but uh when i lose weight and then um it's really about me okay so those two those sure. two are just are just about me and you're then, kyle right now yeah i'm being a kyle <laughs> yes I'm being, I'm being a kyle i'm gonna i'm complaining to the manager god about you and uh and your and your ads um <laughs> and you and you get a four out of five only because the thing in the background makes me think that you were going to sign me up for a cult and and, and i figured that there was gonna you were gonna have me buy uh matt you're gonna have me buy like a book or a video series that for some reason is on dvd even though that's almost an obsolete um thing um you got me Yep. <laughs> yeah. Got me. Uh, I, you know, that's otherwise you would have gotten a five out of five. And you know what? We had fun on the podcast. I got to, I don't think I've ever told those stories. I've talked about um, working at a strip club a couple of times, but I've, I've told the Trey Parker story a couple to people, you know, in person, um, but never on a podcast. And I've never, you know, I covered a couple of different things that maybe I don't think I've ever brought up the fact that I had to fight two grown men dressed as elves. I don't know if they were like, coming from a mall like i'm still so perplexed did they go out drinking dressed as elves like how did they, they end up in lake? the elf costume yes yeah right. 10 years later it still doesn't make any fucking sense were they like santa's helpers after like at the mall and then they just got drunk afterwards and 
I don't know. So was it a fetish thing? Was it a kink thing? I, I, I don't know. So, but I love you guys. You're all really five out of five stars in my heart. Yeah. Um, and the show was a lot of fun. I'll do, I'll do it again. We can, I have more stories and we can cover different things. Oh, totally. We'll love to have you back. Yep. Uh, Nick, how do, uh, how do people follow you? Uh, my Nick is not funny on Twitter. Um, the greatest comedy show ever on Facebook is my show that we're going to be doing this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be streaming in at 10. Um, and then where do people, where uh, do people stream in at? Um, I'll post a thing on the greatest comedy show ever page. So on Facebook, if you, I'm the only greatest comedy show ever. Um, and, uh, I'll post the thing on the show. It'll probably be zoom. I'm assuming I have to do some, some tests in the basement and see what's working as far as streaming goes. Um, but do you mind, do you mind if I ask who the lineup is? Uh, right now it's Carly and I have a couple other people, man. I'm still waiting, um, to kind of finalize it. Um, I know that Carly is going to do it. The thing about it is I wanted to, uh, it's almost like do a makeshift bringer show, but where nobody's getting charged, um, where just, we had enough of a crowd to get a rhythm and everything. So I'm still waiting to hear back from a couple people to finalize it, but it's going to be a good lineup. I'll have four or five comics. They'll be fun. And, um, we're going to try and slowly inch back to some sort of normalcy. Nice. Cool. While wearing uh, masks and shit. Yeah. Uh, Jalen, how do people follow you? Uh, Twitter is telling tall Instagram telling tall tales. Uh, Nathan? Nathan Smezrud on Twitter and Facebook and N Smezrud on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Chubby Waiter because I believe in truth and advertising. <laughs> uh, you can also follow me, Matt Doima, on Instagram and Facebook. Follow the podcast uh, at Awful Service Podcast across all platforms. We've got great content coming on there. And uh, follow us there. We're still looking for some more stories, some more listener stories because we still love that feedback. Um, also, I am the uh, host of the Keller Open Mic, which happens every Wednesday night. Uh, in the Keller Bar in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and at the basement of the Red Carpet. Uh, sign up is at 9 o'clock. Show is at 10. Uh, we keep going with that. We're still mask up. We bleach the microphone between performers. Uh, it's it's still a fun time, even with the the small crowds we're getting. But, you know, it's it's some sort of, like you said, inching towards normalcy. Yep. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for doing the show. This is this is wonderful. Uh, we love yeah, you. Yeah, thank your, you, guys. I miss your face. I miss uh, all of you. I, I miss hugging you. Yep. Um, I miss kissing you, but I, oh shit, I wasn't supposed to bring that on a podcast. Sorry. But hey, I'm, my, my life is an open book. You um, know what I mean? So <laughs> fair enough. What, what I do, what I do, I'm as like you can bring up me and you making out as long as uh, Nathan is there to watch us. Do it. Yeah, it's, and it's film a weird it. cuckolding situation. <laughs> film it, yeah. See, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, this has been fun. Uh, and as always, uh, tip your fucking stripper. Yes. And yeah. and your bartender and everybody and your comics and whoever. Give give everyone making you laugh or hard um, or horny or full. Or drinks. Food, uh, or yes, or drunk. Tip them well. It comes yeah. back. It always comes back. That's, that's the <laughs> first thing I taught my nephew. I was like, tip your bartenders and, and your servers because it will come back to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And have a good night. And have a good night.